Caution. The contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. And welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. And if you're listening to us in the United States, it's Thanksgiving. That's right, we're not going to let Christmas creep up on us before the final fall holiday. Avoid the Christmas creep. Avoid the Christmas (laughs) creep. Yes, and we release this on Thanksgiving just so that we are not in the Christmas season. Because the second it is 12 one on the day after Thanksgiving, it's Christmas time. And speaking of which, be on the lookout on our social media. We are going to have a call to action that we need yes. your help with for this upcoming holiday season. Um, details of that, as I said, will be released on all of our social medias, which is Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> um, maybe we'll make a post on Podbean as well, so... If that's mm-hmm. how you listen to us, we'll make a text post on there. Yep, we've got a great episode planned, but we will need your help. So, in the meantime, back to this episode. Now, we released this on Thanksgiving because this time of year, people often gather with family or friends to celebrate the comforts of home and what they've been thankful for. And sometimes it's the simple things that mean the most. Simple gifts, if you will. Aha. Intent. <laughs> So today, we will be taking a brief look at a tune that you are likely familiar with, which is Simple Gifts. And maybe we'll give you some fun trivia about the tune that you can share at your holiday dinner table, rather than talking about family drama or politics. So, let's dig in. Simple Gifts is often regarded by the general public as a traditional folk song, and most people think it has anonymous origins. But... That is not the case. It is actually very well documented. It was written in 1848 by a man named Elder Joseph Brackett. Brackett was a Shaker leader living in Maine. He wrote quite a lot of tunes for the Shaker group during his life, and more on the Shakers here in just a bit. Each year on May 6th, which is Brackett's birthday, also known as Brackett Day, it was celebrated (laughs) in the Shaker community um, by playing this particular tune to honor his memory. So you probably have heard of the Shakers before, maybe just as a brief mention in an American history textbook. They were kind of an interesting bunch. Uh, The Shaker sect actually began in England in 1770, and it was then established in the soon-to-be United States in 1774. The founder-slash-leader of the Shakers was Anne Lee. She had been a Protestant in England, but became disenchanted with the church after having all four of her children die in infancy. Lee was influenced by the Quaker sect, which was active in both England and America at the time, as well as the French Camisseurs, or Prophets. The Quakers were so-called due to the fact that when they were first founded, Their worship services often included jubilant dancing or simply trembling with the power of God. This did somewhat fall out of favor with most of the Quaker groups, except the one that Anne was following. They continued their mighty dancing rituals during services and thus got the name the Shaking Quakers, or shortened (laughs) to just Shakers. The Shaking Quakers. They're real movers and shakers of society. Oh, yes. (laughs) 
however, they had an even much longer official name for the sect, not just the Shakers. And this was the United Society of Believers in Christ's Second Appearing. So basically, they felt that Christ was going to return. This was kind of the part from the French prophets. Um, and they hoped that it would be soon, of course. Um, they wanted that when he got here, that they would be living the most godly possible lives. So they lived in communal celibate societies where all men and women were equal, regardless of age, race, skill level, etc. You know, basically, they wanted everyone to be equal and loved. Since they were a celibate society, in order to gain new members, they actually adopted children to raise, and once they reached adulthood, they had the option to leave in, quote, the world or stay as believers. But that's enough about religion, I think. Let's get back <laughs> to simple gifts. As we mentioned, dance was a huge part of Shaker worship, and hence they needed a lot of music to accompany them. Many modern attributions of this song claim that it is, in fact, a traditional shaker hem, which in itself is incorrect. The shaker hems that do survive had multiple stanzas and different lyrics for each stanza, and they were simply meant to be sung to, not danced to. Simple Gifts, on the other hand, has just one verse that could be repeated to make the dance longer, and the lyrics actually say exactly how the dance should go. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But here is the first part of the lyrics. Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free. Tis the gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight. Aww. So already from the beginning, <laughs> we see the values of the Shaker Society. They wanted to live simply, and they created a community for themselves to do so. For them, they were thankful just to have found a place they could be simple and free of the challenges of the world. And of course, through living such a simple life, they will find the truest happiness in this life and hopefully beyond. And then the second bit of the lyrics, When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend we shan't be ashamed. To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right. So this is where we get proof this is actually a dance and not a hymn. The choreography is literally written out in the lyrics, like a line dance. <laughs> Bowing, bending, turning, turning, and turning. And if you Google shakers, most of the articles that pop up have an illustration of a group of shakers dancing. They're all in a large concentric circular formation with their legs kicked out. One can just imagine these circles swaying back and forth with bowing and bending, then turning in opposite directions to great visual effect and fun for all involved. The tune itself for Simple Gifts is also simple. We start with a pickup note of the fifth jumping to the tonic on the downbeat. Really good stuff right away. The next bit just centers around the first three notes of the scale, and is then sequenced up to notes three through five, really sticking the major chord here. Then we end up with tonic as the pickup to the next measure, which is entirely the second note of the scale. So this actually really builds tension because we are so close to tonic and a resolution would really be great right about now. 
But we don't quite get that resolution that we want. We in fact get an imperfect cadence that takes us back down to the fifth, completely actually skipping over the tonic. But of course, it's very powerful to then jump back to the tonic from this lower fifth, just like at the beginning. We still kind of move around the tonic triad as well, only getting up to the fifth above. Really, the second statement mirrors the first statement quite well. Yet again, we drop to the second before hitting that tonic, and it's again a pickup to the final measure. But it turns out that the final measure is just decoration of the second and the seventh, just kind of moving around that tonic, really hammering it home. Now we get the second phrase. This begins on the higher fifth, going immediately down to the third before decorating with passing tones all the way back to tonic. Again, hitting that triad hard. The second bit of this statement follows the previous pattern. Find the second and prevent us from actually hearing the tonic we so desperately crave. But they don't make us wait too long. We get the perfect fifth to tonic jump again to round it all out and really just focusing on that little up and down movement to highlight the tonic third and fifth. This really is quite a simple melody, as most great folk songs, I said it, are. It's, it's interesting that you think of this as a folk song because I think it is one of the tunes that makes up what we would might consider the American folk song canon. Definitely. No, it has all the hallmarks of a folk song. It is a very simple tune, easily remembered, easy to easy on the ears, basically. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we do kind of put old songs that were written in America just into the folk song genre, simply out of not knowing exactly where they came from. So, Absolutely. you know, I think... It, if you were walking down the street and someone said, oh yeah, you know, the folk song Simple Gifts is my favorite folk song, if I had to pick one. You know, I think I don't think that we would say like, oh, well, you know, it's not a folk song. Like everyone would know what you mean. Yeah, you can, you can absolutely be forgiven for thinking so. And I think part of that might come from the fact that America does not have as much of a history as other countries do. And so by the time um, like American music was starting to be developed, it was already being written down. Mm-hmm. So it's it's maybe difficult in that way to discern what is a folk song potentially passed down by traditional methods when it really, you know, when American folk music didn't ever really get a chance to do that. Yeah, it's much more remembered immediately, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. And despite this being a simple melody, obviously someone with a mastery of orchestration could do something masterful with it. And you probably recognize this from Copeland's Appalachian Spring Ballet, which I think is the best use that this song has ever had. <laughs> you know, I think the Shakers might say otherwise. Maybe Lord of the Dance. <laughs> uh, one of the sources I was reading heavily criticized Lord of the Dance, saying that it completely ruined it because it changed all of the lyrics and like made it into something <laughs> that it's completely not. 
But I would argue they made it as a dance tune to begin with. So, like, it's still, I guess, honoring that tradition. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's up for you to decide, listener, what is authentic use of this song or not. And I suppose just like most folk music, the song means to you whatever you might want it to. Exactly. You know, maybe throw this onto a Thanksgiving playlist if you can find a lovely, you know, folksy version of it. And throw Appalachian Spring on there, too. I was going to say, and or maybe... even not, just do Appalachian Spring because it yeah. deserves to be on your Thanksgiving playlist. <laughs> and maybe that will spark some of your musical conversation and hopefully save you from some unpleasant topics. <laughs> So thank you once again, now and always, for listening to us. And on today, of course, if you celebrate Thanksgiving, for making us a part of your family traditions. Um, You can follow us if you would like. Once, Don't get on the phone during dinner. Stop that. Put that away. (laughs) But once you're done, you can go follow us on our social medias on Instagram and Facebook. You can send us any messages that you would like via email, coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. And of course... Leave us reviews on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever it is that you've acquired your podcasts on this special day. (laughs) So, for the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, I'm Allison. And I'm Asa. Thank you so much for listening. Brackets Simple Gifts was arranged by me, Allison, for the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. <laughs>